Okay, I'm milling about with Douglas Hodge, who's making his Broadway debut as a director in all times. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to be here. So it's like a double. You and Clive made your debuts. Yeah, I suppose I'd, I'd acted here several times, but I'd never directed here. When I first came to do uh, to Roundabout, they asked me to direct and act in Cyrano, and uh, I realized that would be an act of megalomania. So I just acted, and then they said, you know, next time, let's come and uh, direct something. So I got it on, got through the opening night, went off to film, had a week away filming, came back. So it's quite nice to have a week away from it and then just come back and see how they all are, you know, see all the improvements they've made. <laughs> how, how crazy was that, that both of you were making your debuts at the same time, you and Clive? Well, I know he wanted to, I mean, he said to me, he said, I want to sort of try and re-remember why I fell in love with acting. And I think both of us as actors, uh, you know, you're given all sorts of TV scripts and film scripts, and, um, and this is a phenomenal piece of poetry, really. It's a beautiful script, and it'll take everything he's got, really, and everything all the actors have got, you know, all their interpretations, all their ideas. It's as intelligent as anybody is. So it's nice to work on something that, you know, just keeps rewarding you and keeps giving you back, and it's as good as you can let it be, really. He's gotten some tremendous notices. Yeah. He rocked. I'm telling you. I mean, it's a really great play. Although at times I didn't know what was going on. I have to be honest. No, sure. <laughs> I think that's you know. Well, whatever you think is going on, isn't wrong. I mean, um, yeah, it's a complex piece. It's about memory. It's a sort of dream play to some degree. And there are all sorts of. There are different people. Each, all three of them remembered things in the past, and uh, they remember them very differently, as we all do. And uh, so, who's to say whose memory is the right one? Clive, yeah, was, um, you know, coming off the nick and uh, had done an enormous amount of film, hadn't been on stage for seven years, was, you know, anxious that we got it right, that it was, a, I mean, it's a huge theatre in some sense, seven and a half thousand, you know, uh, 750 uh, people, so it's, it's big for him. Um, but yeah, I think we just took it very gently and, uh, and sort of exploded and expanded what he naturally does on um, film. I think also there's a real comic element to his performance, which um, is something I haven't seen in him before, which was in the script, and I kept sort of encouraging him to be crazier and loopier and, and just a little bit less regarding of himself, you know, and, and actually it's more endearing in some ways, and uh, oh, it's a wonderful performance, yeah. I mean, they all are, all three. Absolutely. I was sometimes wondering if there will be a menage happening. I mean, that was one of yeah. the things. I think that has to be on the cards at all points. I mean, certainly, I think they've all had each other. Um, <laughs> Whether they will have each other again on the night we're watching is has got to be on the cards. There has to be that sort of potential for them to, for that to happen at any moment. I think. I mean, I mean, the play is a lot about the jealousy you have for your lover's past, you know, and that was, I think, the sort of premise of it to begin with, and um, how how someone you deeply love can have been as intimate you know, in the same bed with somebody else and had as much pleasure or passion and is now on a different thing. And that, that sort of obsession, it sort of drives the play, really. I'm not sure if Eve and um, Kelly are married, but I know Clive is, so what of his um, personal marriage did he bring into this, if anything? I think I asked all of them to just, um, you know, say, well, let's describe 20 years ago exactly who you were in love with and... Uh, 
who gave the first kiss or who held hands and, and almost always your memories of those things are different I mean even if you I don't know if you have a sister or a brother but if you went okay let's go 20 years back and say that particular memory of that particular meal I did this almost invariably you, the sibling says no 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 I, I, you didn't do that I did that or you know they have a different memory of it and so Harold's thing is what was true and you know what's true about that is it truer what you remember than what actually happened so I think um, I mean Clive's been married for yeah a long, I don't know, 30 years I should think forever in, yeah. in, in Hollywood terms yeah 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 that's true yeah sadly and Kelly's married too recently married and uh, Eve isn't no I don't think she is yet mm. <laughs> what I loved about this, Douglas, was your use of music. And I know that you come from that background and you use Tom York's music. So talk about that. Well, I, you know, I, the play is a lot about sort of compulsive repetition, you know, things that were memories that just you can't stop going back and going over and over and over in your mind and repeating it, whether you're trying to improve them or get a better ending or whatever. So there was something in Tom York's uh, music that I thought, especially his recent music since Radiohead, you know, the sort of solo music that I thought was like that so I emailed he'd seen a production of Dumbwaiter that I directed so I emailed him and said uh, here's a play what do you think of it and he loved the play fell in love with it and immediately came back and said what if the music went backwards as well as forwards and uh, looped in on itself and then I said oh the play's set in 1971 and he went what if I only used synthesizers from 1971 and from there across about six months we started this email correspondence where I'd say might need some music here and he would send five or six pieces and I'd have a listen and almost invariably they were almost too good to use you know they were pieces in their own right and what I needed was something just underneath the text or you know to sort of herald moving back into the past or to start the show or to finish the show or in the transitions so um, and he was very clear that he didn't want to sort of take over the whole evening have a sort of radiohead evening um, but the music is exquisite yeah what about turning this into a film have you thought about that and funnily enough I've just been talking uh, about it literally this week two or three people have um, come to me and asked and of course we have the perfect cast you know I mean we could just walk straight out and film it and I, I think there's a way to film it too where you could dip back into some of those 20 year old memories you know with the, the, them and their 20 year old past running through London in the blitz and the bombed out buildings and cafes and you know all those sort of things so but the rights are held by some enormous Hollywood studio. So, um, of course, they always are. Yeah, I think what happens is they buy them lock, stock, and barrel, and then they have them in perpetuity. Really, it's 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 depressing in some ways. So, um, I'm not sure. I think the TV rights might be still free, but I would love to make it as a film. Um, and I think, in a way, as a film, it, you could have more of the memory, and it would be clearer, and it, and it would open up more. Um, and of course, the three of them would be great. But I don't know whether I can wrestle this big studio to giving me the uh, the chance to do it. And then, of course, you can use all the the Tom York stuff that wound up on the cutting room floor. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, couldn't be better. I mean, I'd love to do a film with him writing the score for it, and I'd love to direct it as a movie. I mean. Um, I thought there wouldn't be a problem because it's, you know, an old classic play, but clearly the studio bought up a raft of rights. And once the studios have them, it's, it isn't like they have them for a year and a half or five years. They have them, you know, 
in case anyone like me comes along and then says they want to make them. Um, what studio is it, can you say? No, I can't. I'm not allowed to say. But um, I suppose if Clive were very, very keen to do it, I might be able to go back to them and... Um, you know, but I, it's quite a quite a venture to try and get it done. Yeah, you can use him as leverage. He is a movie star. Yeah, exactly. And Kelly, you know, is a true detective behind her and Nurse Jackie for Eve Best. So they've all got their chops. And you and Penny Dreadful. That's right. Chasing Josh Hartnett across the desert. This is, let me tell you, this is one of my favorite shows. I have oh, a huge great. crush on Reeve Carney. I have to let it out there oh, right wow. now. Yeah, he's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Beautiful man. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful cast, actually, all around. I play Inspector Rusk, you know, the one-armed Rusk, who's really the only human in it, as far as I can see. I'm forever doing scenes where the people have been, you know, mutilated or lacerated or killed or, uh, you know, butchered. So, um, and I'm slowly tracking them down across their, you know, across their lives. Yeah. Do you have monster envy? Monster, yeah, I have phantom limb envy, I think. But, uh, yeah, I'm always wondering whenever there's something happens to Rusk, the script if I'm then going to come back as a vampire because of course being killed off in this series isn't the same as being killed off you know that that really means you might come back with even more power you know and we're now starting again we're shooting that in some in Dublin and some in Spain so between now and February really you have a good life. I mean, just be able to travel to those places. Yeah, it is. It's lovely, yeah. And, I mean, it's nice. They fly me back and forwards. So I'm living in New York at the moment. This, I mean, this has been slightly crazy because I did Pirates of Penzance at the Master's Voices thing. So I, I got the play on, flew to Dublin, filmed for a day, flew back, saw the play again, did the Pirates of Penzance, flew back to Dublin, and now I've flown back today. So I'm sort of more spending more time on planes than I am uh, on the ground. But. Does it get confusing to you? Like, did you, like, playing, did, were you the pirate in Pirates of Penzance? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're also different. I mean, Ruska, uh, you know, in Penny Dreadful is so different to directing old times and then doing you know Gilbert and Sullivan Pirates of Penzance singing they're all such different genres really you know filming on TV directing a play singing a musical they're all completely different people really <laughs> I might get yeah, confused about who I am but not about who they are what about um, your musical that you've written what's happening with that yeah well it's um, it looks like it's going to happen in um, London in uh, 2017 um, I was hoping it would be sooner, but it's just in terms of these big things getting forward, you know, um, the Watermill Newbury are on board and there's a couple of other producers in, on board in England and they have a sort of slot for it where it will play there and then tour and then come into London first. So um, I think that's all touch wood going to happen and I just have to be patient and wait for it to happen really. It's all raring to go and it's been workshopped and ready. So. Um, I'll probably want to rewrite it as soon as we get back in. And I've just been commissioned to write something else, so I'm starting on that now. Do you have your cast for Meanwhile? Do no. You, not yet. No. Do you have a, a Wish cast? Well, it changes all the time. And I suppose we have had an American cast and an English cast, and we've during the workshops, they've all been wonderful. So, no, I think I can't. Meantime. I said Meanwhile. Yeah. The meantime. name of the show is Meantime. <laughs> yeah, it is Meantime. Yeah, yeah. It's about, it's this three couples, a 20-year-old couple, a 40-year-old couple, a 70-year-old couple. So I have to find those those couples really, but um, I'll wait till the other time. See who's free. 
What about uh, putting out albums, musical albums? Yeah, I don't know. I just haven't had time. I've written a new raft of songs, and I was supposed to have a band rehearsal the other day. I'd quite like to do some little gigs in New York. I'd quite like to, you know, I played the Carlisle for a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of years ago, and I loved it. So I, I think it would be nice to, I don't know, some of these smaller places in Brooklyn and around, and I quite like the idea of that now, just turning up. And, Pete's Candy Store. Yeah, exactly. Turning up with a little band, you know, the same band I had, um, and not really doing anything sort of celebrity-based, just, um, you know, just little songs that I've written. Tell me a little bit more about your music. What kind of genre is it? Is, is there a name for the band? Uh, no, the band was always just called Douglas Hodge, really, I suppose, but I, um, I don't know that we'd ever get a name. I mean... Um, well, it's the, the music in the musical is across all genres, really. I suppose it would be considered to be more sort of folk, lyric-led, um, yeah, sort of singer-songwriter, you'd call it over here, I think. Um, you know, although I write on the piano now, so I suppose a singer-songwriter generally means you guitar-based, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Okay, I'll have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. There's an album called Night Bus. You can get it on iTunes or whatever. You can listen to Spotify. You can, yeah, just put my name in and it'll be there. So I'm going to embarrass you for a minute because I know that you are very good at impersonations. <laughs> and since this is a radio podcast, it would be great if you could give us a couple of uh, people that you that you do. Well, the best person to do is Harold Pinter. You know, I mean, Harold isn't alive anymore, but he is living through me at all times you know and that's how he spoke and he bloody spoke well I tell you that's how my Harold Pinter he's been living on my shoulder for a long time now but I miss him dearly you know and uh, I work for him well for more or less 10 years I think almost exclusively so uh, it's uh, yeah I miss him Lady Antonia Fraser his widow came to the to the play the other night which is a real honor really and a privilege and loved it and did this whole speech about how she was so sad that Harold wasn't here to see it and which is really moving and um, he was a great friend so like, I can only do that impersonation now that he's dead because <laughs> you only do dead people <laughs> no if he'd ever found out he would have killed me <laughs> so. who else can you do that's that's alive <laughs> uh, who else can I do um, no um, was that Jerry Lewis <laughs> <laughs> My days of impersonations are over. Gotcha. So now what what are you looking forward to next? Well, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> no, I'm well I'm filming Penny Dreadful till March, I think. So, um, then I don't know. I'd like to do I'm going to do a French film just before Christmas uh, in France. Um, Directing, acting both. Acting, yeah, playing a rapist. So, um, a French rapist. Yes. <laughs> it's almost sexy. I uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know the cat, but um, yeah, it's a great part, and it's got, well. I say rapist; he's not really. It's just a kind of forceful guy. Um, so I'm going to do that. I mean, hopefully, I'll be acting in English, which would be a relief. But so, no, I don't know. I'd like to play some gigs just after Christmas. I'm going to do that. I think while I'm filming, kind of dreadful. And I've got this writing commission to write um, a new musical, so I'm going to carry on with that. Cool. And please tell Reeve that I'm in love with him. I will. I will. I'll text him straight away. I'll probably see him tomorrow. Actually. I'll be able to say. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much indeed. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. To you. To you.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.